0: Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello, welcome to Car Stuff. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Boland, And I'm Scott Benjamin. And today, we're doing things a little bit differently. Scott, you usually do the introductions. Typically. Uh, We decided that we would would try just something a little bit different because we're talking about something a little bit different today. Uh, Scott, without giving away the bulk of our our show today, uh, what do you think of when you think of Scandinavia? Scandinavia? Gosh, I... In general,
2: ah, uh, just I guess cold weather,
1: um, right? They ice, that. yeah. Ah, uh, let's see. Beautiful women, of course. I mean, um, you know, it's true. Maybe the wildlife. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because there is quite a bit of wildlife in Scandinavia. We know that in varying countries, uh, the the climate it doesn't really lend itself to a bunch of people living in rural areas. It's true, but uh, animals that have adapted to survive in these climates are thriving and they're very um they're very assertive laws about protecting these animals and all of this leads us to one other thing that scandinavia does a little bit differently which is car testing yeah that's right and you know the funny thing is it's really a a pretty basic test right i mean it's it's
2: it's just an invasive maneuver test uh that's the real name of the test that we're talking about today but in 1997 it was coined the Moose Test or the Elk Test by uh, by a certain individual. We'll talk about him as we get to it here, but um, it's basically just a test to determine how well a a type of vehicle can evade a suddenly appearing obstacle, something that uh, that darts out in the road in front of
1: you. Unexpectedly, yeah, that happens at speeds uh, uh, about seventy to eighty kilometers an hour, so forty five to fifty.
2: Yeah, Ben, you're right. Up to you know about fifty miles per hour is right around the max. We'll talk about speeds later. Mm-hmm. I promise.
1: And for Americans listening, one thing that is comparable to this would be, uh, deer collisions, which happen, uh, year round in the United States. Yeah. And, uh, we, I think I've got a statistic here that I can pull up at some point. Well, let me tell you this, Ben. While you're looking for that, I will, I will say that forms of this test have
2: been performed in Sweden since about the 1970s. So more than 40 years they've been doing this. And, you know, it hasn't always been called the moose test, as we mentioned. You know, it wasn't until 1997
1: that that came about. Right. So It's a, a
2: relatively recent thing that we'll get to. But, mm-hmm. you know, other manufacturers do this. It's just that, you know, this, for whatever reason, has been coined the moose test. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know how to put this, Ben. A lot of people just kind of talk about it. It's something that people uh, find interesting to throw into a conversation when they're talking mm-hmm. about... Um, Evasive maneuvers or car testing, or um, you know safety standards for vehicles. Sure. They, they talk about the
1: moose or elk test. Yeah, and it might sound it might sound a little silly on the offset because I'm sure some people are thinking, "What? That's so crazy that Scandinavia has so many moose that there has to be a test for every car um, to you know be sold in Scandinavia with this." But it's a serious, it's a serious problem. The idea of moose collisions, uh, just for, um, a comparison, you know, we have a same problem in the United States, a similar one. Uh, there's an estimated 1.23 million deer vehicle collisions in the U.S. between July 1st, 2011, and June 30th, 2012. That's a significant amount of collisions. Four billion dollars of vehicle damage that total. That is
2: huge. Now, you know what? I know when, uh, when I lived in Michigan, when it was uh, deer hunting season, mm-hmm. that was always the most dangerous time on the road because the deer are on the move. You know, they're running away from hunters that are in the woods, right? Crossing smaller rural roads. Um, you know, it's it's a real danger. And if you know it's happening at dusk, it's happening at uh, you know, um, the daybreak. You know, at, at dawn. So you know, it's a time when you know, maybe your vision isn't the greatest because of you know the sunshine sure. in your eyes. Yeah. So it's it's a very dangerous situation. And you know, moose are far more common in Sweden. Uh, then they are here. I mean, they're, actually, there's a lot of them in Canada as well, but, um, they're common in Sweden. They're common in Norway, Finland, uh, Northern Russia. And I mentioned Canada as well, but they're not very common in Denmark or Germany. And Germany is where the guy that coined the term for the moose test is from. Yeah. He was a German journalist, right? All mm-hmm. All right. And he was, uh, trying to, and I've got a whole thing here about how the moose test got its name. Um, you want to do that before we get to the actual yeah. test itself? Yeah, yeah. All right. So. We'll talk about how this test got its name. Uh, it was back in 1997, like we mentioned, and, and really it came about, uh, when there was this Mercedes A-Class test that was happening. And the A-Class, uh, a lot of people may not be familiar with what that is. Uh, it's a five-door hatchback design, at least it was back in 1997. It was a very small, um, kind of an egg-shaped vehicle. It's mm-hmm. the best way to put it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's a tall, kind of short length, um, you know, body shape. It didn't have a very long wheelbase. Very small. So in 1997, this journalist, his name was uh, Robert Collin, and I believe he was a German, right? Yes, German. Okay, he was, uh, he was he um, was reporting or, or trying to describe this test that uh, that where he had overturned a brand new Mercedes A, a- class vehicle um, in what he called the Moose Test. Well, uh, well, which was you know then called the Evasive Maneuver Test. Right. Um, it's not not
1: as fun of a name.
2: But he had to describe this because a Trabant, which was a much older and and as they said widely mocked car from the former German Democratic Republic, which uh, it's true, it's East Germany, really. I mean, so this is an an Iron Curtain car. This this Iron Curtain car effectively managed the course a lot, you know, more effortlessly than the uh, than this brand new Mercedes A class. And they wanted to know why. So he describes this test, and the only way that he can say it, you know, like something that appears, uh, you know, suddenly. He described it as maybe like you're trying to evade a moose that had wandered onto the road. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's a fitting way to describe it,
1: right? Yeah, in the interview with, oh, here we go. I'm uh, going to try for the German, right? Okay. I apologize, German speakers. Uh, Süddeutsch Zeitung. Not bad. Not great.
2: Well, I don't know German, so yeah. I'm thinking that's,
1: uh, f- that's better than I could do. But for anyone who wants to look up the interview or try to uh, find that, that is where this name originates, and people love it. People use it way more than evasive maneuvers and it, test.
2: And it's stuck, so now it's called the moose test. And uh, the moose test is so we can get down kind of like what the the idea of what the moose test is. If you want to talk about the, the test specs, we can sure. we can do that. Yeah. So it happens on a, a dry road surface. It's not a wet surface or anything like that. Uh, the traffic cones are set up in kind of an S shape, but it's not exactly what you might think. Now, we're accustomed to seeing cones set up in a slalom. Right, mm-hmm. so that it's you know one cone a distance, one more cone a distance, mm-hmm. and you it's weave between them. Exactly right. You do a very uh, very smooth S type uh, turn through these things. Right. This is not the case with the moose test. This is a, a much more abrupt test. And think about it this way: the way I have it kind of drawn out here on my paper is that you go through a couple of cones so that mm-hmm. you're you're maintaining your lane. And you suddenly have to swerve over into the other lane of traffic and then maintain that lane for a brief amount of time. Right. And then swerve back into your lane again and then also maintain that lane
1: for whatever set amount of time, right? And stay straight. And of course, you're not supposed to be to flip, to lose control of the vehicle, to uh, weave in the lanes uh, either. That's right. The, uh, the cones are meant to simulate the, the
2: obstacle, the road and the road edges in this case. So instead of going like in a smooth-flowing S-pattern, you're kind of going straight, turning really hard, going straight again, and then turning really hard, then going straight again. And it's very difficult. In fact, you'll find when we talk about speeds, a lot of uh, really world-performance cars are not doing all that great in this test. I mean, for for a variety
1: of reasons which we'll talk about. It's a surprising thing. Now, uh, of course, not all car companies use moose testing. But a lot of Northern European car companies do, like Saab, of course, or Mm -hmm. Volvo. Uh, This, this is important because large ungulates, not just moose, but just large hoofed mammals are roaming around there, you know? Elk. Reindeer. That's true. I didn't even think about reindeer. Remember in that earlier podcast when we were saying, think of the children? Yeah. Think of the reindeer. Oh, yeah. Well, the children would be thinking about reindeer. Yeah, don't ruin Christmas. (laughs) That's right. Can I mention a few more things about this test?
2: I just wanted to say that, you know, there's a few more things that we need to talk about some more um specifications that have to be met for this to be a successful test.
1: Okay, but don't give away the big the big surprise. Oh, I will
2: not. Okay. I will not. Uh, there's something that's coming at the end that'll be a surprise. <laughs> All right, so uh the test uh, the test car has to have at least one belted person in each seat available for the vehicle. So, uh this can be, you know, four people, five people, people, seven yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Uh it depends on the type of vehicle, of course. I mean, you know, the Ferrari that I saw tested had two seats, of course. Um, but they also add uh, weights in the trunk to achieve the maximum load limit for that vehicle. So they they completely max out this vehicle. I see. So you're not just riding light. Exactly right. And how the actual test is carried out. Okay, the driver comes onto the track, and he or she quickly swerves into the oncoming lane, you know, to avoid the object that's supposedly, you know, darting out in front of you, and then immediately swerves back to avoid oncoming traffic. So that's the idea that, you know, there's, You swerve to avoid the thing, but then suddenly there's someone coming the other way. You have to get back into your lane. Right. And you have to do this without overcorrecting, so you can't spin out, right? The test is repeated with an increased speed until the car skids, knocks down cones, or spins around, or as you mentioned, Ben, flips over. And sometimes they do flip over because it's a
1: it's a harsh test. It sure is. And, you know, the test also... Counts for more than just avoiding a mammal. This could be avoiding a reversing car or a child running in the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's important because we have to see how the machine reacts in that situation. Yeah,
2: exactly. And you know, you mentioned the other other things, right? Yeah. But the reason that a moose has kind of stuck as as part of like you know what the lore, I guess. You know why they yeah. said that this is a good test, or why that they, they should be calling it the moose test, is because that I guess moose. A case, you know, if they're, if they do walk out into the, uh, to the road, a moose is more likely to just continue walking down the road. They're not going to really understand that that car approaching is dangerous. Right. It's just going to cross the road. It may stop and look at you, but it's mm. likely going to continue to walk across the road. And your best maneuver would be to kind of scoot behind the moose rather than go in front of the moose because the moose isn't going to stop. Yeah. And I, I guess speed varies here, you know, if it's, if it's strolling or if the moose is running or whatever, but, uh, even if it's strolling, your best move is to to duck behind the moose and continue on. Now, I don't know how valuable that will be to any of our listeners, but who knows? Maybe.
0: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a paper someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go paper-tarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash paper
3: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow.
1: iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Scott, a little personal anecdote. Sure. Uh, So we've talked briefly, I believe, off air that uh, I used to have a job at an insurance uh, industry company. Yes. Not quite an insurance agency. And we would get calls from across North America, so US and Canada, of people hitting deers and moose. Um and these animals, as anybody who has been unfortunate enough to be involved with this incident already knows, these animals can do massive amounts of damage to a car. Yes, they can. I'm not even joking. Like you think a flat tire is bad, there there goes your windshield, Mm -hmm. your hood your grill, your headlights. Uh, it can do damage to things under the hood. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big animal. Mm-hmm. Definitely, with, with the size of a moose, I can only, I can only imagine. I, I only got one or two moose calls. You and know, were always from Canada.
2: I nearly, I, I nearly hit a moose. Or I was in the, I was in the passenger seat when we nearly hit a moose what? one time. Killarney, Canada, it was about nineteen ninety-ish, somewhere around there. Uh-huh. Uh We were going on a camping trip after you know graduation from from school, from high school, and we were. in Again, Killarney, County, we're going to do like a, a canoeing, camping type trip, right? You don't see anybody for a full week. Wow. And we're way back in the middle of nowhere on a gravel road. A lot of us in the in the vehicle, you know, a whole group of people. And uh, it's late night. It's totally black, pitch black out. You know, no moon, yeah. nothing like that. And we came not over a hill or anything. We're just going straight down the road. So it's not like it's a surprise or anything. But the lights just weren't effective enough, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in this, uh, it was like a Ford minivan. And, again, it's like midnight or whatever, maybe 1 a.m. or whatever. Mistake. And uh, we're just flying down this, this gravel road, and suddenly the driver just slams on the brakes, and we skid, skid straight forward, didn't skid off the road or anything straight forward, and we end up about four feet away from a baby moose. Oh, man. A, a young one. You could tell it was young, but it was huge. I mean, it was looking right in the window of the, the vehicle. You know, it's giant. You know, yeah. All tall legs. I mean, it's a moose. It didn't have those giant horns or anything yet. It was still pretty young. Uh, but it just kind of stood and stared at us, and then wandered on you know just kept on going across (laughs) the road like you know what are we doing out there in its environment and uh it was scary because you know that could have been it i mean it would have come through the windshield for sure Mm -hmm. no doubt uh so i give credit to the driver for being alert at you know 1 a.m when a moose is in front of you what
1: uh you know what this leads me to scott this is a great segue into our uh information on the performances of various cars Mm -hmm. in the moose test because uh you might be surprised by who, who performs well and who performs poorly.
2: Have you seen the list?
1: I've seen, uh, I've seen a couple okay. reviews. Well,
2: I've got a big surprise for you, and I will, uh, I think I'll just lead with that. You okay. won't be surprised with this. I, now, what's up? So I went to the, the Swedish magazine site that, you know, that reviews these things, right? This, yeah. uh, well, um, I'm gonna try the pronunciation. I'll give it a shot. How about that? Uh-huh. Alright, the, uh, the, the magazine or the publication that does this thing, and it's a, it's an online site now. Most people get it online, I think. It's called Technikens Wald, and that means, uh, World of Technology. And again, I apologize for the pronunciation, but it means World of Technology in English. And it is a, uh, it's a leading motor magazine in Sweden, and it features, um, you know, automotive news, reviews, test drives, things like that, of passenger cars, and, and publishes all these, uh, like new and used car guides as well, right? Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this for a long, long time. So they've been running this test for a long time, and this is the, this is the publication that's that's famous for running the moose test. Ah, This, this yes. is the one, and uh, these numbers on this list go back to about 1983. And if you look at the full list, which you can online, you can find the full list. Um, they uh, they've they've done hundreds of vehicles at this point, and it goes all the way through 2014. They haven't done the 2015 vehicles yet. Uh, but I was surprised to see what comes out on top on this list, Ben, because uh, I printed out the top 25 and then also the bottom 20 or so. Lay it on me. We will not go through the whole list, but the number one is a huge surprise. It is a get, get ready for this. I'm I'm bracing myself. A 1999 Citroen Xantia Activa, which is a V6 what? powered vehicle, a 1999 Citroen <laughs> is at the very top of the list, and that is with get this the second vehicle on the list. Just to give you how sure. an idea of how well this vehicle performed, and I'll describe this in just a minute. Mm-hmm. The second vehicle on the list is a a 2008 Porsche 997 GT3 RS. Whoa. And, it, and it outperformed that vehicle. And then everything below that for about the first 10 is another Porsche
1: model. How much was, uh, what about the driver? Uh, was this guy in the Citroën just? No. I could tell you, this is, this is why this vehicle is so fast. It was so fast. And now,
2: the speed that it went through this, uh, the test, uh, before it did its spin out or whatever, you know, it failed then, uh, the speed was 52.8 miles per hour. And the Porsche was only able to complete it in about fifty-one miles per hour before it spun out or, wow. or hit a cone or whatever. Yeah. The, I, so I thought, why? Why is the Citroen from nineteen ninety-nine so fast, right? And yeah. why is it still it's still number one on the list even after the twenty fourteen cars have been tested?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So why is it so fast? It had the it, at the time you got to again think about nineteen ninety-nine and and now how you know long ago that was. It had a computer controlled active suspension system, uh, which was said <laughs> this is amazing. This is a system that was said to offer um, roll-free F1-style cornering, combined with what Citroen called a legendary magic carpet ride. Hydro, <laughs> boy, hydroactive suspension. Now, the hydroactive suspension thing—I looked into that—and that is a uh, hydro pneumatic suspension that was later licensed to the likes of Rolls Royce, Maserati, Peugeot, Mercedes-Benz, Whoa. and the military. So, this this uh, hydro pneumatic suspension from Citroen. Combined with um, you know this uh, what would it called the uh, the computer controlled active uh, suspension system, mm-hmm. all that combined led this vehicle to be almost completely flat through the test. It was like the it was like this amazing handling sports car, but it was a sedan. That's
1: strange, uh, but this is a perfect segue. If I if I could, yeah, sure. I've got a little more I want to talk about, but it's okay. It's well, fine. Well, but. okay. Well, let's go. Let's keep going with what you wanted to say because. I'm just going to pretend that I'll segue into that. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> and I'm, so everybody listening, I'm segueing from that point earlier. Understood, okay.
2: <laughs> I, I got
1: you, I got you. But That's I just really want close. to get this out there because yeah, yeah. my question was why, you know,
2: again, I, I answered that with uh, the components that were involved, right? So then later I was thinking, why is a Porsche 997 GT3 RS mm-hmm. from 2008 still slower than a 1999 Citroën? I mean, why? why is that? Why does that happen? Sense. It doesn't make any sense. So... The answer is maybe because they're not necessarily building cars to pass this specific test. I am so glad you said that. Okay, is this uh, leading into what you wanted this to say? Is this part of it, yeah. But okay, please go ahead. No, no, I want you to go ahead and hit it because oh. um, I've got a, a bunch of stuff and I feel like I'm talking
1: too. Much. Oh, uh, well, you're you're never talking too much. the The thing that's interesting is that the moose test is controversial because amongst car makers, not all cars are built to be able to perform this sort of maneuver.
2: Yeah, and they can perform the maneuver, but they can't necessarily perform it at a world-class level. Exactly. And they won't get themselves to, like, the, the top ten spots or something like that where they can actually publicize
1: it. Right. So these would be otherwise world-class cars, to take that phrase. And I love it, but they are not world-class moose avoiders, <laughs> which is not – there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But regardless of how silly this might sound to some folks, uh, the reality of the situation is uh, this test – has done a lot for safety technology and innovation, but also uh, in some cases, safety systems that uh, like the Porsche Macan uh, didn't do very well in the Moose test. And it's, and that's a brand new one. Right. And they said that it's because of the safety systems that they have for braking.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I saw this. It, uh, it, it, uh, it locks up one of the wheels, right? Right. And therefore it makes it slide and that means that it fails the test at that point. Right.
1: But right. It also from their perspective, uh, their engineers thought this was a great regulatory safety device.
2: So it is a safety device, but just maybe not necessarily for avoiding moose You're right or right. whatever darts out in front of the road now it it performs better in other ways sure that they have somehow weighted differently than uh, than the moose test right okay i get that so there's thousands of tests that you can run on a vehicle and each vehicle is going to excel in its own area they're going to perform better and remember we talked about this i think in the past where i've been to to ride and drive events where they're putting a uh, you know a Dodge Neon up against a Porsche Boxster oh yeah and yeah and they and they play on the uh, on the 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 favorable characteristics of the Neon, because it had a tighter turning radius, I believe, than the Porsche mm-hmm. Boxster, it was able to complete one part of the test fast enough that it was able to complete the entire course faster, and therefore they could say the Dodge Neon, yeah. you know, triumphs over the uh, Porsche Boxster in this test. Uh, if you don't believe it, drive it yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was how they do it. They marketing always angles for the best uh, the best performance, right? Right. In yeah. whatever arena that may be and by whichever means are available exactly right play with the stats right and you know mentioning stats and can i just say this yeah yeah in the top 25 that i've got here on this list of it in front of me you know between this is just to be fair i guess between the top one which is that citron and the the bottom here on my list of 25 uh there's really only a seven kilometer per hour difference which is only about four and a half miles per hour between number one and number twenty-five, and there's hundreds on this list. Wow! And you know, towards the end of the list, it, it drops off considerably. the The poorest performer, if you'd like to know, yes, the poorest performer that they've uh, that they've tested. And you know, the numbers they've they've dropped some of the things off of this list. And I know they've done this testing for a long, long time. Um, they've dropped some of the the uh, the results off of this list because when you get to about the year two thousand, you can sort this list. You know, by model year by maker, by speed, you know, all mm-hmm. that. You, you can sort this whole thing however you want. Um, when you get to about 2000, they stopped publishing numbers, but they would leave certain vehicles on. Like they left the, um, I think they left the Ferrari Testarossa on there that they tested from 1987. Wow. Uh, they left on, um, you know, the 1999 Citroën that I mentioned, right? Yeah. yeah. And some other kind of, uh, I'm going to call them oddball vehicles that they tested. Just, I mean, think it's just out of interest, you know, people would yeah. look that up. Uh, the worst performing vehicle on this list, which, uh, comes in at exactly half <laughs> of the speed of the Citroën on the, uh, you know, at the top
1: of the list. Was so it the, can I guess? You can take a guess. Um, do you think I have a good chance of getting it? I do not. Okay. So that means it's not the Jeep Grand Cher- Cherokee. Though. It is not, but they're pretty low. Yeah, they, I know that they had a poor performance. Um, is it the Kango? No. Is it the Dacia? It is not. All right. I've had enough guesses. All right.
2: <laughs> this is something that uh, may not surprise you when you hear it. It's a, uh, it's a Reliant Rialto. Now, really? Reliant Rialto, uh-huh. if, if you remember, this is a three-wheeled vehicle. Yeah. This that's is the, the first thing that clocks. And, and it's in a Delta configuration. So it's the one with the single wheel in the front, mm-hmm. two wheels in the back. And it steers with that front wheel. And this is the one that uh, you know, Top Gear. I think they did a Reliant Robin, maybe, or something like that. Right, but where why it would you ca- put continually that continually rolls over?
1: Why would you put that in a moose test? Well, though? clearly, it, it's not going to do that well.
2: Clearly, it's not, and it didn't. It's the worst performing vehicle on the list by a, by a wide margin. Um, it comes in at forty two and a half kilometers per hour, which is a speed of just twenty six point four miles per hour for us here in the United States. Um, Again, that's half the speed of the Citron, you know, at at the very top of the list. Uh And everything else falls somewhere in between that.
0: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a paperitarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
3: Get emotional with me, Ravi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's let's talk about just a couple of the innovations that came from this came from this testing, right? Yeah, sure. You know, there's stuff like going all the way back to uh, the journalist Robert Collin himself. There's stuff like the electronic stability program, which would not have been uh, a standard for the Mercedes-Benz A-Class if it were not for this test. And there are also other um there are also other innovations almost all concerned with safety like reinforced windshields uh where to place the A pillar in a vehicle uh these prevent serious injury or death in many types of collisions including one with a moose and ladies and gentlemen i think we're coming to the part of the show now that we've all been waiting for by which i mean at least you and i scott uh this is an avoidance test but this is also a crash test. That's right. This is
2: this is highly unusual. This is my uh, my one more thing. Uh huh.
1: One more thing.
2: All right, Ben. So, as you may have guessed, this is kind of a big deal in Sweden, right? Oh yeah. All right. So, the Swedish auto manufacturers have actually built a moose crash test dummy. They you have, heard it right. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, they uh, they've they've bought or they've built a a dummy, a crash test dummy that is weighted and sized and everything just as a moose would be. And it makes perfect sense to me. I completely understand why they would do that. All right, so here's the here's the story on this. The Swedish National Road and Transport Research Institute have developed a moose crash test dummy that they call mooses, which is a funny name. (laughs) Mooses. And the dummy, which is made with a similar weight, center of gravity, and dimensions to a live moose, is used to recreate realistic moose collisions. And uh, I can completely see where they're coming from on this. I mean, I, I totally get it, right? Because yeah. I've watched. Now, these I'm are just
1: so tired of these unrealistic moose collisions. Yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you know what? Just as a side note, I've got one more thing about the moose too here. But yeah. um, just as a side note, Australian car manufacturers use kangaroo crash test dummies for the similar purpose because they have, you know, kangaroo issues on their roads. Uh-huh. So, so why not create a kangaroo crash test dummy? Because that's what they encounter occasionally. Um, all right, so the one last thing on this uh, this moose situation here, this moose crash test dummy. Yeah. If you think it's not serious business, I, I would like you to watch this YouTube video. I'm going to tell you the exact name of the YouTube video, and you will be astounded with what you see because these are particularly brutal collisions with moose, as you've mentioned already. Mm-hmm. All right, so the uh, the video, if you want to see one, is called VTI. That's the uh, industry that that does these tests. These tests, VTI. Car versus elk slash moose crash test. And, uh, the vehicle that they crash test is a Volvo V70 Estate. So it's a station wagon, of course. And, uh, when you see this moose crash test dummy that they have hanging on this apparatus, uh, you know, with the long legs and the body and everything, you know, it's, it doesn't have a head or anything like that right. or no, no tail. Um, but when they crash this vehicle into it, this, this Volvo, uh, you would not believe the destruction that happens with this thing because you got to think that the legs are so tall that when the body comes back down mm-hmm. it comes back down right on the windshield right onto uh, just about where the middle of the windshield is yeah and the moose remains there in that place you know it rolls a little bit but not much and even on a volvo which you and i know is a uh... Is a solid solid built car right and safety is i mean it's really it's, it's their it's, number one selling point it's absolutely the number one their number one concern at mm-hmm. volvo is safety passenger safety and uh this absolutely caves in a Volvo station wagon windshield. And uh I mean it, it does a lot of structural damage as well. These are these are a serious uh a serious problem, I guess, up in that part of the world. Yeah. Um and I thought, well, maybe they're going way too fast, you know. Maybe uh maybe what I'm watching is, is a kind of a um an exaggeration of what happens, right? Well it turns out that the test was conducted at seventy kilometers per hour, which is just forty three miles per hour. Uh, so 43 miles per hour, think about that. You're, you're doing a lot faster than that on a lot of, uh, you know, backcountry roads Absolutely. or wherever, like where I encountered that moose. Sure. I'm sure we were going faster than 43, even though it's a gravel road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 43 is, uh, is enough to cause significant structural damage to even a very strong brand new vehicle. So, uh, so, you know, word of caution here. Just, uh, just take note of any moose in the area. Right. Take care and, Be aware, and just one more quick thing, Ben. Yeah, I would just encourage people to watch it because it really is an eye opener. So, so if you can, if you have a chance, just to take three minutes and watch that video, Mm -hmm. well worth it.
1: And that's a great point, Scott, because while again, while it seems like such a it's a funny thing, and we clearly admit that there's some hilarious stuff about this, and I, I still think a moose crash test dummy is pretty funny. This is also necessary, and this is part of the continual experimentation and testing that we see uh, whenever a vehicle comes out. But now we want to know what you think. Have you ever been unfortunate enough? To hit a deer, a moose, a large mammal. Can I tell you something? Yeah. This is
2: maybe my final one last thing. I keep right. coming up
1: with more, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh
2: my, my stepmother's father one time came over a hill. I think he's in uh, northern Michigan. Uh-huh. came over a hill in a pickup truck, and there was a pig in the road. Whoa. And you wouldn't think that a pig would do a lot of damage, right, to a car, but this is a, a low, heavy-built animal, right? And it did a significant amount of damage to it, probably more than a deer because when you hit a deer that you know it kind of goes up and over right a pig stays right where it is and uh it was a terrible accident and you just wouldn't think of things like that but like think about the moose i mean again where it contacts the vehicle that's all critical and i don't know jeez, mm. would what would happen if you hit a giraffe i guess it would be damaging to the vehicle behind you
1: yeah you get kicked out of the zoo for <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> they won't let you take your cars in. I just want to be clear with everybody. All right. Um, I, I have I have no more one last things. All right. Uh, well, we are going to head out, ladies and gentlemen. That's our time. We hope that you enjoyed uh, learning about this test as much as we did, and we would like to hear your suggestions for stories that we should cover in the future. Uh, what's the weird car stuff in your neck of the woods? And also, if you're listening to this and you did hit a large animal at some point. Uh, we're glad you're okay. We hope your car made it, and uh, we'd love to hear this story. So hit us up. We are on Facebook and Twitter. We're CarStuffHSW on both of those, and uh, you'll find some cool things on there. If you want to check out every podcast we ever made, because iTunes only gives you, what, the first 300 or something? I think it's 300. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to see all 600-plus, you can go to our website, CarStuffShow.com, and if you want to send us an email directly, we'd love to hear from you. Our address is Our stuff at howstuffworks.com.
3: For more on this and
0: thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
3: Let us know what you think. Send
0: an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com.